What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Chicago, North Side, South Side, West Side, all that. Welcome to another episode of Art Live Life Podcast. And this episode is brought to you to none other than CLA Pro, producing premier entertainment by assisting creative visions with competent productions. Also, Intangibles of Life Foundation, also known as IOL, they strive to transform healthcare into a system of well-being by providing services and programs that enfranchise all people through financial literacy, career development, and wellness. Visit IOLfoundation.org for more info. And Knox Studios, my boy Ty Whiteside, engineer extraordinaire. Hit my boy Ty up at Ty ty.whiteside with all of your recording and mixing needs honorable mention chicago the lifestyle brand promoting the slept on looked over and left out visit at honorable mention chi all one word on ig and honorable mention chi all one word dot com for the latest drops in sweaters tees and hats last but not least jay carter denoche and they are a lifestyle brand who founded this this is I, I think iconic bitch brand, which is is turning the euphemism out to be positive and letting women define themselves. With all that said, I have my guest, my guest, Chloe. Kogo, that's how you say your name? Uh, she's here. So say hi, Chloe. Uh, say hi, Chloe. Hey, how's it going, guys? How yeah, Kogo. Kogo? Kogo. Yes. Okay, let me tell you a little bit of something about Chloe. She grew up in Flint, Michigan and moved to Chicago when she was 18 to attend Tribeca Flashpoint College to study film, working on many projects while she was at school, including producing corporate videos for companies, producing student films, assistant directing independent short films and features, and PAing studio projects around Chicago. And after four years, Chloe graduated with... Uh, bachelor's in film productions and a week uh, a week later and began working full-time in the film film industry on different studio lead projects welcome chloe thank you so much for being here hi thanks for having me wonderful 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 so first off uh one thing that grabbed my attention about you you grew up in flint michigan what was that like yeah um it was pretty normal to be honest um I think I mean everything started getting crazy around my freshman year of college after I had already left um but yeah it's crazy like it went from being like hey where are you from and I'd say Flint people would be like okay cool and then now everyone knows um because of the water crisis so um, it's go ahead yeah so it uh of course, it has its its reputation as of as of recent. But so, like, how do you feel about that? What's everything that's going on there? Um, I think it's just it's it's sad. I mean, like that's my hometown. You know, uh, luckily my family lives just outside of the suburbs that were affected. Um, we live mm-hmm. in Flint Township and not like directly in Flint. Um, so we were switched over to Detroit Water. But um, a lot of friends and family, um, like my grandparents, are affected. Um, so yeah, it's just sad and it's sad that like, it was kind of a media storm there for a second and now no one really talks about it anymore at all. Um, and the problem will be fixed till 2020, which is sad. It is a huge problem. And to think that, you know, our, our, our government officials and whoever is responsible for this, let this happen. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, 
that's unfortunate. Yeah. You know what I'm so like now Flint, like, is that where you got your inspiration? How did you get into film and television? What was the spark for you? Yeah. Um, film and television has always just been something that kind of grabbed my attention, just performance in general, uh, like grabbing people's attention and keeping it and like, you know, putting on different shows and stuff was really exciting for me. Um, I don't think Flint became an inspiration until later in my life, like, you know, 14 through 18, I guess. Um, right. And yeah, so I always just was fascinated with the making of film from a very young age and the performance aspect of art. Um, but then right. the way that Flint became involved was uh, realizing that I had um, the opportunity to tell stories and a lot of my friends didn't for whatever reason, um, whether that just be like, you know, the cards they were dealt or the opportunities that mm-hmm. um, they're allowed to have in society or, you know, because of their race, gender identity, whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. And so to kind of like have the opportunity to be uh, the person that can tell their stories with them um was really exciting to me and to like use the privilege i guess for lack of a better word that i have in life um to be able to come alongside of those people that want to create but can't create um because of their circumstance uh was really exciting to me and that's kind of how i fell into producing as well um Mm -hmm. so yeah that's how flint that's how flint kind of guided my inspiration a little bit and that's key that you said that because I was talking to uh, uh, someone, another artist, uh, yesterday about adverse situations creating uh, character and, and just inspiring creativity within you. Because you think about it, when you have, you come up to a, a conflict or a dilemma or something, you know what I mean, that stops you from your goal, whatever that may be, you have to get creative in order to figure out what what needs to be done so that you still get what you want out of the situation. Definitely. So you would, right, right. And would you say that uh, you growing up in Flint gave you that muscle, that creative muscle in order to be able, because producing, I know for a fact, you know what I mean? You know, things go wrong on set all the time. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Left and right. And, you, you know, you got to have that wherewithal in order to think through the problem to a solution. And I think that being from the Midwest, you know what I mean? And having that inclement weather, yeah. you know, it naturally creates in us a character. But no, that's uh, it's, that's interesting you say that. And you say uh, producing was uh the the thing that sparked you and you and what you wanted to do did you have any other uh principle you know uh let's say like I pursue acting first and then I got into the production side was producing always your first choice it wasn't actually it's something I kind of just fell into um I also wanted to act I took acting classes I did a lot of like um improv comedy classes which I really enjoyed um and then I just kind of, you know, I started playing basketball and then basketball became my priority for a second. Mm. Um, and I just kind of fell out of love with acting. I'm really interested still in the art aspect or like the creative process of acting, but not for myself. I just enjoy watching others uh, process. Um, and mm-hmm. then I became more into directing. Um, I loved the idea of like being able to craft an idea and have other people kind of like be the prism through which that idea is realized. Um, And then I 
you know, the thing that got me away from directing was my freshman year of college. And one of my professors told me, um, so if you direct, you're not going to be working for another 10 years after you graduate. And I was kind of like, oh, man, like I can't not be in film for 10 years. And I understand what she was saying. And I understand that, like, I didn't let her deter me. I was still very like, man, I'm going to direct. I don't care what she says type of thing. (laughs) Um, But as a millennial would do. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, then as the years went on through college, I kind of I realized that while I loved directing and loved creating a vision and crafting that. You know, a director only has so much say in the vision that they get to portray, and the producer right. is the one that gets to craft everything. And uh, a lot of people don't know that. A lot though. of people don't know that. So I, yeah, I found that out very quickly, and then realized that man, I love problem solving. First of all, which I think is like the most creative part about me, um, is just solving problems and the joy that I get from that. But, um, yeah, being able to, you know, not be the paint and not be the paintbrush, but I get to hold the paintbrush and paint the picture as the producer. And that was really exciting. It's something about producing. Once I started dabbling in that and seeing and creating and assisting those other hands in the production and creating the world, you know what I mean? And then once I figured out that those, uh, you know, everyone who wins those awards they really go to the producer so yeah for sure exactly (laughs) i was like oh uh, yeah sign me up for that (laughs) yeah i'll definitely take that but so like there are with anything you know what i mean there are pros and cons to the job right totally Uh, you know what are some of the in your professional experience uh what are some of the pros and cons so i guess just on a smaller scale some of the pros to producing are um just being able to see uh, the idea that you started with be fully realized and then received by an audience is something like that you can't describe with words. It's amazing. It feels awesome. Some of the cons are that um, producing is failure. And uh, within that, there, you know, there lies the the catch, I guess, to producing is it can be this amazing, great thing or you're failing and you're constantly learning and you're constantly growing as a creative and building your career and, you know, taking others with you and trying to do something great. Um, but a lot of times it fails. So failure, I guess, can be a pro or a con, depending on how you feel at this point in your life. Um, <laughs> for me, I feel like failure is a pro, even though it, it sucks in the moment. Um, you know, I always try to look at it like uh, if I if I go into it and I come out with some type of growth that happened, that's, that's a pro. Um, and then I guess professionally, um, I currently work, um, on a locations team around Chicago. I just finished up, uh, Jordan Peele's new movie, Candyman, uh, last week, which was really cool. So some of the pros to my studio career, I guess, is, um, that, you know, just loving my job every day. That's like, it's, it's so hard. It's the hardest thing I've done in my life. Um, it's, you know, you, sometimes you don't want to go to work, but then you get to work and you're like, man, I just, I can't imagine doing exactly. anything else. I, exactly. it was a horror movie, right? So we worked like an insane amount of nights. We did one week that was just all nights and you literally lose your mind a little bit. Like you feel like you're going crazy because you you're straight going like nocturnal. Yeah. Like, yeah. And your body's not switch. meant to switch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had, uh, you know, then Friday, we work Friday night into Saturday morning. And so I'm getting off work like 10 a.m. Saturday morning. And I have one day to flip my sleep schedule to be back 9 a.m. on Monday. 
Um, it was it was insane. So I'm working six days a week, and all I could think on Sunday was, God, I can't wait to be back on Monday. So, exactly. Yeah. I th- what was it like working with uh with Jordan Peele? Did you work with him directly or indirectly? Like what what was that like? So it was indirectly. Um, I came on like day zero what we call day zero of filming so it was like a splinter crew um we shot at the mca downtown and uh mm-hmm. then uh he came on i think it was like the last couple days of shooting he he was there and i mean he was really nice he was such a nice guy he kind of it was funny we he like blended right in and you'd kind of be talking about him to somebody else and be like dude i can't believe jordan peele's here that's crazy like what a once mm-hmm. in a lifetime thing and then like he'd walk right by and you you just keep talking and then you'd be like wait that was jordan like he just blends right in he's just like so normal and so down to earth and so nice and um you know he's one of those guys that i feel like creates because he has to like it's his way to communicate and it's his life and um and that's just so you know it just shows with his work and he's just a great guy um so yeah so yeah def- definitely um like how okay every set is different right yes every set is, and uh one thing that i've noticed uh just working in different studio spaces um that some of the talent in regards to the crew because i think the crew has you know that they are talent too just in a different capacity yeah um yeah yeah and it seems like everybody in chicago works on the same projects together yes you know what i mean you might not you know what i'm saying like you have some of the same in the community so it's huge but it's small and some of the same people you know what i mean that camaraderie there that you build with those people is second to none i think especially here in chicago when you see some of the people that you've been working with like is that a is a relief to you because you know you know you know their strengths and weaknesses because you're on the set for like a couple of you know depending on the project maybe a month or two or you know what I'm saying a couple of weeks or whatever does that like do you like working with I guess my question is do you like working with some of the same people or do you like working with people with new people that you have to kind of just you know fill out and you know for me I like working with new people you know what I'm saying yeah because gives me an opportunity to of course you know network and things like that but you know working with some of the same people are cool because then you know you know what their strengths are you know where you know what i'm saying where you can fill in and things like that so how does that work for you yeah um i think both to be honest um i like mm-hmm. the comfortability of knowing the people that i'm working with um like the team that i'm currently on uh is one of my good friends that i've known for I went to school with him actually. So I've known him for about five years and we ended up somehow on the same locations team. And um, yeah, our team is great. And we, we all know each other's strengths and weaknesses. We all um, have a camaraderie, like you said. Um, So that's been great to go to work and know that I'm going to love it and love the people. And sure you get irritated and there's, you know, there's squabbles or whatever, like little arguments that happen. Um, But you can also know that you'll get over it and you you're still friends. And, um, and I think that's great. However, that's also a safe place to be. And I feel like real true artistic growth can't happen unless you feel unsafe and you overcome that. Um, so that's why I like working with new people too. Cause I like being scared to go to a job and, um, and not know what's going to happen or who I'm going to meet. I think you also can learn a lot from the people. Um, the thing you learn from working with the same people is habit. And the thing that you learn from new people is, you know, how to stay on your toes. So I think, I think both have their, have their pros. Yeah, de- definitely both. And you, you, you said something uh, about being vulnerable. 
Uh, so like, did, was there a time that you felt like uh, you were at your most vulnerable in your career? What was that like? Um, yeah, I mean, lots of different times. I think like whenever I'm going into a new project, I'm terrified. Um, but hmm, I think, well, I, I worked on this feature. God, I think it was like three years ago now. Um, hmm where I was the first assistant director and I was really young and it was like really lucky that I got the position. I like didn't earn it at all, which is not good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just kind of by luck, I got this position and I was ADing like some, you know, there was like a girl that had worked full time for on an NBC show with like JK Simmons. And then there was this other guy who was currently filming 13 reasons why. And this guy that was on contagion with, matt damon like these big people like you don't know who they are but like in my mind at that time it was like oh my god these people like know what a first ad does and like i didn't know if i could live up to that um i was terrified terrified um but i did like you know all the prep work that one does as an ad i like tried to run it the best i could the set was just kind of a mess because i mean a lot of things went wrong it's also one of my like favorite horror stories about shooting a movie but like <laughs> you know i i had um one of the main actresses come up to me at the very end and be like hey i know this set was pretty shitty but you did a great job and that like meant the world to me because i was like I'm telling you dude like yeah i'm sorry i had the same thing but not with like an actress yeah but the um the DP, uh, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was running, I was running around a lot mm-hmm. on the set. And, uh, and at the end of the day, the a, like the DP came up, he's like, dude, you, you did a phenomenal job. And I, and I can concur like that, like he didn't have to say anything, you know, you did a good job. Right. right? But just for someone to go out their way, someone like that, you feel me? Totally. Someone that's pretty much. You know what I'm saying? So it's just kind of like uh, you need, and you need those moments. You definitely yeah. need those moments because those could, those the moments could have been, um, you know, that time where like it was, it could be like, uh, let's say, uh, you're thinking about quitting, or you know what I'm saying, for someone uh, who's interested in getting into this. Like these things happen all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, and uh, just have someone that you know that encourages you. I think that that's uh, should be something that uh is cultivated more on the set you know what i'm saying because i you know you barely get recognition for whatever you do on set oh yeah you know what i'm saying and but i think that if you if we do that more and fill each other up more you know what i mean we'll have um, a better relatability you know i mean because sometimes you know you can just work 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 on a set and then you know you're you're spunk and you, you feel like you're burnt out but i think that those words of encouragement those you know to keep you going and you know we talked about earlier like how like you know you like you can't think of another way that you would rather spend your life you know what i mean doing this thing but you know the satisfaction you get from someone recognizing your work that means like the heavens to yeah you, you know what I'm saying? so i definitely i definitely concur with that so in uh you were talking about some of the obstacles and the pros and cons and uh, we we're talking about vulnerability and like what are you okay so once you were talking about, I want to get into some of the prep work you were talking about for those who don't know what an AD does for like, what is that prep work? Like, what does that consist of? Yeah. So basically your job as an assistant director is to schedule and plan the way that the film is going to run. And then on the day when you start shooting, 
your running set actively. So making sure everything stays on time. A lot of times you're calling um, action. And um, uh, so, so the prep work looks like, you know, schedules. Um, there's a great program called Movie Magic, which is what I use. Um, mm-hmm. And you're just kind of taking each scene from the script. You break down the script and you figure out like, you know, if the, if the people are married in the scene, it's not necessarily going to say in every single scene they're acting together. Hey, these people are wearing wedding rings, you know, but it's something that like you got to know. And um, so it's stuff like that, just breaking down the script and figuring out all the small, small details. And then taking that, you move it into breakdown sheets, which list it's like a sheet for each scene. Um, and then from there, each scene will get a scene number and a duration period. So we break down the script in eighths of a page. Um, right. And then from there, you just schedule it and you figure out like, okay, if we have this location for this many days, we'll shoot all of this here. And generally, you know, you can only shoot around four and uh, four and four eighths of a page a day is like the sweet spot. And mm-hmm. So you're either doing less than that if there's a lot of stunts or crazy things happening, or you're doing more than that if it's just dialogue. So figuring all that out and scheduling it. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's basically the heavy lifting of the prep work. And, you know, you're going on location scouts. You're figuring out, like, what your team needs to stay safe and to mm. be prepared and to move as quickly as possible. Um, and what else? Let's see. Um I've so, <laughs> there's so much there's so much yeah yeah but no uh what was the one some of the uh because i know you've been on plenty of sets like okay i mean how many times have you ad to to date oh man like professionally or like including student stuff just just in general yeah man um probably only four or five times i i think i think five okay so what was the like the like the one project out of those five that was like the worst schedule you don't have to name it but like it was just like it was hell you know trying to put this schedule together you know the this out of those five was there one that was just completely difficult at every turn man i i mean it sounds cheesy to say they all have their challenges but there's two specific ones that were really hard to schedule um there was one feature film that i did was really hard to schedule because they only had locations for like one day and then we'd have to go somewhere else and then we'd go back to that location. So um, it was like, I don't know, there was, they didn't want to shoot anywhere else, of course. And, um, and the producer like was like, well, we have the money. It just, it didn't make sense. And it was very frustrating. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that was, that yeah. was really hard to schedule that cohesively. Um, and then there was another film that was a short film that I did that was, um, there were babies involved and that was not fun Mm, that was yeah babies have crazy rules right like if they're a certain age they can only work for like 15 minutes at a time and then they have to have a half hour rest period so it was it was absolutely insane and um we only had four days to shoot the film and they also wanted babies so it's you know it's just like figuring out okay well what shot can we fake and use a doll or what shot do we have to have the real thing or um it's just a lot of you know technical stuff Oh, I bet. I definitely. I already know too. It's uh, it, it keeps you on your toes, though, because uh, and I and I will uh, ask you this: uh, working professionally and some of the things that you have to do, like time management, scheduling. How has that affected your personal life? Like, have you taken some of the lessons you know you've learned or any advice? You know what I'm saying? How's it 
has it has it uh had an effect on your personal life and how you move in your personal life yeah for sure for sure um i think this last film this this two and a half month project i did with Candyman was probably the longest i'd ever been kind of like out of commission i guess um and like Mm -hmm. fully in work i think the way the main way it's it's affected it is like what personal life you know (laughs) it's like (laughs) i have no time um i was working uh 12 to 16 hour days on Candyman. Mm-hmm. um i like i don't have time to do laundry i don't have time to like make myself food luckily like i get food on set but like um mm-hmm. i i mean i don't talk to my family i i like try to carve out time on the weekends but like when you're flipping your sleep schedule you're asleep when they're awake and it's like there's no time um i would try to call my mom like before on my way to work or after work um my dad gets up really early for work so um so when I would be coming home around 4 a.m., I would call him just to, like, say hi really quick. Um, I I haven't, like, I don't have a significant other, you know what I mean? So, like, luckily right. there's not that pressure. Um, but I definitely haven't dated in a while. <laughs> um, and But that's a difficult thing to date an artist. Or totally. Yeah. It's a difficult thing. And I, um, I, my wife, I, you know, I'm so grateful to her and i have a, I have a one-year-old boy too man so it's like yeah come on like yeah <laughs> like um time management and just you know patience and you know i definitely feel you on that you know what i'm saying but i i i hear you um but in your situation you know what i mean you you're giving it your all yeah you know and that's literally what you're doing so how do you how do you keep the balance within yourself you know what i'm saying because i know there's people out there that want to pursue this and maybe want to do what you you know what you're doing now you know what what is your balance like what what keeps you uh at that zen mode you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like what do you do so um i'm still kind of learning cuz like i said this this two month project was was the heaviest gig i've ever done to date mm-hmm. um that I, that i've also tried to like add in the you know mental health and personal aspect <laughs> to it all right. um so one thing that i found was really helpful for me is journaling a lot of stuff would make me upset mm. on set or uh be tough days you know um right. so i would just try to like come home and journal it um some days though i wouldn't want to because it felt like i was just like reliving it um, exactly so one thing for me that's just always been an escape uh whether i'm stressed with homework in high school or like no matter what it was as film so like i would just watch a movie before i'd go to sleep or maybe like mm-hmm. my favorite scenes from films just because i didn't have enough time and like needed to sleep um stuff like that music was really helpful for me um I grew up in a very musical family. I play a lot of instruments. And so on my way to work, I would, I made two different playlists. I had a night shoot playlist when we would do night shoots. And then I had like a regular film playlist. Um, And a lot of times I would just listen to songs that put me in, you know, a good mood for work. And then the last thing I would do is um, listen to, this sounds really cheesy, but um, I would listen to like old movie soundtracks. So like, like Rodgers and Hammerstein, um, you know, like the sound of music or stuff like that. Just like the old movie vibe, you know, Um, that like reminded me why I love film and like the history behind it. And that like, no matter how hard yesterday was, all I'm doing is making a movie and it would just put it in perspective for me before I went into work. And you slowly back away from the ledge. Totally, (laughs) totally, (laughs) exactly. But no, you 
you say you play uh, a few instruments. So how many instruments do you play? Um, I play three, like, well. Um, okay. <laughs> piano is the main one. I was, like, classically trained for 12 years, and then now I just kind of do it for fun. Um, guitar okay. and drums. Okay. Get out of here. You're yeah. a drummer. I'm a drummer. Hey, yes. I like it. But I heard, tell me if this is true or not. Uh, if you learn piano, you can play any instrument. You know, I haven't necessarily tried that, but it's, I would feel like it's true because, um, yeah, you, you like my, your ear gets really trained, you know, what pitches mm-hmm. and like you're working with both hands. So like, it's not that hard to pick up another instrument. Um, so yeah, right. I feel like that's definitely true. I should try that. Definitely. So guitar, uh, electric, acoustic, or does it really matter? It doesn't matter. I can play either of them, but my favorite is acoustic. I just like the sound. Oh yeah, naturally everyone loves. They, they said that's the the best one to start with. Yes. I tried. Uh, I had an electric guitar for a while, and then I started traveling for for theater, and then it was just over with. Yeah. Because <laughs> you gotta you gotta put in that time on the acts, you know. Totally. Definitely. So, uh, do you still kind of, uh, or do you have like a piano at at your place, and you like kind of play for therapy kind of thing, like what? Yeah, I play. Um, I have like a small electrical piano which is not my favorite because i like to feel the keys like and that's weird piano talk but um (laughs) (laughs) i uh yeah i play that sometimes i I try to play my guitar um you know sometimes though the thing that i found is uh, i would do it for sure to like for therapy and to calm myself um during college and stressful times there but i did not have time during Candyman, or like i just wouldn't feel like getting it out or putting it away or you know i don't know it was Mm -hmm. a weird balance issue that i was finding music is uh since we're talking about this music and uh, kanye west has this quote uh about music he said music is a spirit it moves through walls it moves through people you can feel it right i mean i'm paraphrasing of Mm -hmm. course but that makes total sense like i personally I need to feel the music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I like music loud. You know what I'm saying? I like like concerts are the best for me mm-hmm. because it just the music, the vibration just moves through you. You know, of course you can feel the music no matter what, but it's something about when you have it at that level where it's just vibrating through your soul. You know what I'm saying? And I think music is universal in in that way where it's I wouldn't say uh manipulates but it definitely has some kind of pull and strings on your your psyche your spirit if you will you know what i mean because like you were saying you have a playlist for set a night shoot xyz you know what i mean so it it, that's the beautiful thing uh, not only just about music but just art in general just the effect it has on the human psyche yeah you know what i mean definitely and then you know what I'm saying? And then in turn, like you have the creation of art, right? Creation of music. And then you putting that out to whoever, the spectator, the audience, right? They receive it, right? And they, they change, you know, they change because of it. And then the cycle continues. It's a lot like nature. Art is a lot like nature. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And so just for us to be able to partake, uh, not partake, but like to participate in creating art, um, I I think it's godlike. Yeah, you know, and definitely uh, because uh, you think about it, 
85 percent of the world okay i'm i'm going in a little bit of tangent i'm sitting standing <laughs> on my soapbox right now 85 percent of the world right our followers right 10 mm-hmm. percent are the creators innovators you know what i mean elon musk if you will right those guys like artists such as ourselves and then there's the five percent who are just looking and watching everything happen and so like you think about it man the 10 percent, we are the 10 percent. then we have uh, in our culture in our society and, and dare i say in our nation there is a need for us to a create things that tell the truth and become a mirror to society we have that uh that responsibility i believe to be mirrors to society to show them like oh, hey this is not right or be um hey you know you made a decision that you know uh will affect us for years to come you know what i'm saying stuff like that when we see that constantly with film after film after film theater production after theater production uh there i say podcasts you know what I'm saying? things like that yeah the, you know creation you know the, the way that we create and how we cre- we create you know what i'm saying it is godlike so um I'll step off myself. <laughs> I'll ask you, since we're coming up to our time, uh, what are some of your favorite films and or directors? Ooh, man, mm-hmm. that's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I think maybe a favorite directors, of course, like Spielberg, but like classic Spielberg, you know, like Jaws and Indiana Jones, right. stuff like that. Um. I think Greta Gerwig is like one that I'm really excited mm. about. I think she's phenomenal and she has something to say and she's like killing it with her communication. Um, hmm, who else am I excited about? Um, I think uh, Brie Larson directed a film called The Unicorn Store. Um, I watched. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No comment on whether I liked it or not. <laughs> But um, but I'm really excited about hearing what she has to say and like watching right. her direct and kind of seeing where her career goes. Um, who else? Uh, Dustin Creighton. I really like him. He did nice, um, yeah. Short Term Twelve, like one of my life altering films. Um, mm. Which segues into favorite film, Short Term Twelve. I loved that film. Um, what else? Let's see. Um, man, I, I it's hard. It's hard for me because like. I mean, of all time, I think one of the most iconic films for me was The Sound of Music, because that's the film that I, like, actively remember being, like, this is the exactly. film, like, yeah. I want to do this. I love performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess more recently, Lady Bird, to continue with that Greta Gerwig flow. Um, right. Um, man, I don't know. It's so hard. Um, yeah, no, I don't I know. Those are, the, those are the top ones so far. Yeah, let's not, let's not struggle. But, <laughs> but no, Chloe, thank you so much for coming through and uh, participating in this episode. It was it was wonderful, and I and I thank you for your perspective and all that you do on the film and production side. I am definitely going to be looking out for you when you get that that big break. You're on your way. Yes. And uh, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to our mutual friend, Nate. Yeah, Nate Woods. Nate Nate Woods, Nate. man, and he's equally you know what i'm saying he's talented yes, as well definitely he um yeah he's he's definitely he spoke you up highly you know what <laughs> i mean he's like yeah you gotta get chloe on the show you gotta go to so like i'm I thank you for, yeah you know through and uh appreciate it for real for real man yeah thank you so much. yeah thank you for having me and uh tell people where they can find you uh social media or your website whatever you got going it just at chloe kogel is what it is um 
that's it. I don't really have a Twitter. <laughs> Otherwise, just, you know, check me out in Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so thank you so much, Chloe. And uh, it's been a joy and a pleasure. And uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Art to Live Life podcast. Catch another uh, episode coming soon as we delve into the brand from Jay Carter Dinoche, uh BTCH. And also we're going to highlight... Uh, October is the Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we're going to have a notable marketing guru out of out of uh, L.A. and has a, a office here in Chicago. You guys don't want to miss it. And again, Chloe, thank you so much, and thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you. All right, now peace, light, and love to you all.